I bought a lightsaber for friend of the show, Yui, because unrelated things that don't matter. I had an excuse to buy them a lightsaber and I'm like, why would I not? And because Ultra Sabers does like wild Halloween deals mm-hmm. and I was spending more money than I will ever admit to on this lightsaber, like it was a pretty good deal, but still I have like eight lightsabers that according to an email I got today are sitting at my house right now. So as much as Look, I am glad to be here talking I about one of I love doing my... this show with you, but why aren't you at <laughs> home is, playing with lightsabers? This is the point that I'm going to. These are not real lightsabers. They do nothing but glow certain colors, and some of them will have noise. <laughs> because most of them are mystery box ones, which means I had no say over anything. It's whatever random parts. As much as I am excited to be here with two of my favorite people, legitimately two of my favorite people in the world to talk about one of the greatest shows that ever helped define me as a child, part of me is just unspeakably angry (laughs) that I am not at home playing with my lightsabers right now. I, you know, as soon as you said you got mystery box sabers, I started trying to think of what like a lame lightsaber would be, and it's impossible. I was like, yeah, you got the the double-sided Yoda saber. And then I was like, that's so dope. No, actually, (laughs) it was really, so I bought uh, my wife and I like fancy fucking lightsabers for uh, a wedding present for us. Like we got to pick our own handles, Mm -hmm. yada, yada. We spent too much money. We get paid extra for like the right colors. Hers is purple. Mine is uh, Sunrider's Destiny, which is kind of a light (laughs) blue green, but I fucking love Nomi Sunrider till the day I die old star Wars comic book character. And so I was like, these are great. And then they sent us a mystery box one. It has like no design on it. It's got a tiny little blade. It's got no sound (laughs) and it's orange. And it is my favorite thing out of all of them. (laughs) I take it with me when I go camping and like, it's just like my life. It's so good. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Also having been hit by these lightsabers by my (laughs) drunk wife, they hurt. (laughs) They might not cut you, but they're not fun. <laughs> In fairness, like we were dueling. This was not just, you know, she, she ran up and clocked. Me. Yeah, no. I, I realized after I said that some context might matter. Welcome to General Nerdery, your podcast about liking things. I almost called it General Nerdcast for some reason right <laughs> there. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. And with us is uh old friend of the show, Will. Hi, hello. Also known as Wug in our foam fighting thing, so I will probably bounce back and forth because that's how I roll. Yeah. Um, Welcome back. It's been a while. We were it discussing has. that off mic, but like yeah. now on mic. Might as so well say it again. This is, I think, your sixth appearance because you were here is for it the sixth. It's fifth or sixth because you were here for Pokemon the first movie. Pokemon. Okay. Uh, your fave is problematic. Mm, yeah, yeah. And Dunes Part One and Two. So this yeah. would be five. Okay. Yeah. And you were looking. When the fuck did we do Dune? That was like 2021. Yeah. Something like that. It's been a minute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's been, yeah, it's been a while. I was looking it up and then I got bored. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, scrolling. still going. Man, we put out a lot of episodes. <laughs> well, I boys. might actually be able to pull it up. Okay. Here, While he's doing that, cause he won't be able to stop thinking about it till he finds that answer. What have we been ingesting? That answer was December, 2021 is when they were, Put on the feed anyway. So almost two years ago, <laughs> mm-hmm. a year and eleven months. Oh, uh, what I'm I'm trying to think of what I what I got done between now and last time. Did I say I finished the bear? 
I finished the bear. You were watching the bear. I don't remember if you finished the bear. Okay, well, finish the bear. It's fantastic. Is the bear done or is this just this season? They, I believe yesterday or maybe early this morning announced uh, season three is a for sure. So Okay, cool. I just, I haven't watched any of it yet, so I'm... Uh, Shorzy season two. I've watched the first two episodes, so we can't go. I mean, we can go into it. I actually don't care that much because it's fucking Shorzy. Yeah, but I'm not sure what I think of the level that they chose to time jump. Oh, okay. I get that. I get that. I mean, I have a couple of things that I'm not sure about. I, I'm enjoying it. I should say. I th- I uh, thought you were gonna go with um how Shorzy's acting, especially those first two episodes. Oh, Shorzy's being a shithead. Uh, Implying that that's not the usual. <laughs> wait, does he manage to die? Did, wait, does he dial it up even higher? Yes. It, oh, dear God. For a oh, reason, no. which is interesting, but do you care? Uh, no, okay. I'm only ever, I'm only ever going to watch these when I'm out With of your me. house. Yeah, no, that's cool. <laughs> um, So Shorzy season one, which I'm pretty sure we've watched. We watched a, couple episodes okay i don't we know exactly how far we got they end the final season with uh spoilers if you haven't watched a show that came out like two years ago they lose the match but because of the weird way that that league is set up it's if, only a four-team league so. yes if they stay in they still enter the playoffs okay so nat decides not to fold the team even though they lost despite the we'll never lose again and in that last uh, in that last game, they like clicked to figure out what they needed to do to be fucking unbeatable. Okay. okay. But they figured it out too late to win that specific game. Mm. And it ends with like, we're going into the playoffs. Let's get this shit done. And we're like, oh, next season will be like the playoffs. Nope. We skipped to like three quarters of the way through the next fucking season. More than that. It, it oh, basically wow. starts at the same spot that the first season started with so four games left. 20 games in or something. And they have not lost a single game since they won the playoffs Damn. and then have run since. And it instead has gone from underdogs to like you've gone from underdogs to literally kings. What does it take to like maintain that? Mm. And so Shorzy has the, you guys can't give an inch while everyone else is starting to be like, (laughs) okay. (laughs) One of the like main plot points is that he's worried the team is going to slow down because they're hammering too much ass. They're getting laid too often, so they are <laughs> uh, literally going in sore from all of the getting laid that they're doing, and so they're coming into the game tired. Yep, and it's yep, interesting. Like, again, I'm really enjoying the show. I've wanted to watch the fucking playoffs as part of it. And then, two, you're right. Shorzy's a fucking shithead in it. And places where he's yelling at somewhere, I'm like, I get that there's a story being told here and a message and stuff, but like you are, I feel like he's out of line, which he might be. I don't know. Also, Jerry Keyes and I have slightly different opinions on how to handle certain things, which is fine. Yeah. It's setting up for more. I assumed. And not just like in this season, but like they start filming on the next season in like a week and a half. Yeah. Um, um, okay, yeah. Okay. And 
the running theme right now is these guys need to decide if they want to be the best team of the season or the best team ever in this league. And that's actually really interesting, especially for a group like when we watch television, it's all about the underdogs. I mean, fucking half of the lesson of Ted Lasso was like root for the underdogs. Mm -hmm. And so, Mm -hmm. all right, we've done the underdog season. Let's do now they're on top overdog. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, also, they announced uh, Shorzy, not Shorzy, uh, Letterkenny season 12 drops in America the day after Christmas. And is the final season. And is the final season. And part of me was like, no. And I'm like, they put out 12 fucking seasons. And the last couple of seasons have been comparatively weak to some of the. I don't know about anybody else, but with what what is set up for season three. I would be surprised if Riley and Jonesy don't show up for at least an episode. That'd be fucking great. Letter Kenny, the later seasons have all put out at least one absolutely brilliant episode, but there's each season also been an episode or two where I'm like, I do not give a fuck. Uh, the episode last, I think it was last season where they have a like round table discussion of the best flavor of chip. Oh yeah. Yep is one of the most annoyingly forgettable. And it's not even bad. I just have like really high expectations of that crew. And so annoyingly forgettable was just like, you can be better than this. Mm -hmm. Also in fairness, those actors are aging up a little much for some of the, uh, twenties era shenanigans (laughs) that a lot of those people get up to in letter. Kenny. That's true. I'm trying to think what else. There wasn't too much else. Um, still been going through this latest season of Welcome to Wrexham, which is the uh, Ryan Reynolds owns a yeah Ryan Reynolds team. and Rob McElhenney <laughs> own a an English football team. It's a documentary. Oh, it's a real yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, no, okay. Yeah, no okay. this this isn't like a joke. It is. Uh, Rob McElhenney from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and Ryan Reynolds went in together and bought a Welsh football team. That was um, like super low. Like. Yeah, they're they're tier five. I can't remember the names <laughs> of all the tiers, but they're basically like in a position where Shorzy's team level. But yeah, football. It's, it's basically like if they lose, they're about to fold okay. and it'd be a huge blow to like everybody in the region. They have the uh, oldest still used international stadium in the world. Oh, that's they're so one good. Of, I didn't know that. Yeah, they're like one of the oldest clubs like on record, but they've been having terrible luck for like 15 years straight. And so they come in by the team and it's a documentary series where you get to watch them try to make them win. Well, and the bright side is even if they don't win a bunch, just the amount of like attention they're giving them and the amount of money that is being brought in one, because what the fuck does Ryan Reynolds care if they don't make much money? And two, the documentary that it can keep this team floating for a little while. Not for that long. That's part of the story. Okay. Like they're, they pump enough money in taking over the team that they need to be promoted within like two seasons or else they won't have enough money coming in to sustain that. Okay. So probably going to fold soon too. If we don't get our shit together, we will definitely fold, but it's now we have a shot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. That adds a level. Cause I was like, it's Ryan Reynolds. Who the fuck cares? Like, 
But then like the other interesting part where they they really like amp it up and keep it super interesting is like how the club is actually doing and the win losses is almost the B plot of like every other episode and every episode they also focus in on somebody like in the community that's tied to the club in some way and sort of just go through like how it's affected their life, their history with the club, like how it, it affects how they sit in the community because of how, uh, how tied in the community as a whole is to the club. And yeah, super interesting. And then I uh, started playing darkest dungeon a couple days ago and it is amazing. <laughs> I don't I've heard the name. I don't know what it is. Here's 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 some here's a team of four people. Make a make a a D&D party. Send them in. They all die. And all of this <laughs> rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat and So it's Tomb of Horrors in a video game format? So it's super Lovecraft Lovecraftian. Inspired. Yeah, Lovecraft out okay. the ass. I mean even the studios Red Hook Studios named for horror at Red Hook. Um, like the narrator got famous for doing Lovecraft audiobooks. That tracks. I mean, he's got a gorgeous voice for it. I, I'll need to try this out. This does make me think of I got the audiobook of the complete HP Lovecraft when we did our Lovecraft mm -hmm. episode way back in the day. And the fucking like half hour intro is these two guys desperately trying to downplay how racist H.P. Lovecraft was <laughs> to justify how much they've dedicated their lives to like preserving his work. And I'm like, guys, I get it, but you really need to like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, no, it's true. <laughs> um, but no, the game, the, the plot of the game is super Lovecraftian. It's like dudes, family estate, has secrets underneath it that he uses his family riches to exhume and runs mistake. into a yeah, big, big mistake. mistake. Don't go looking for knowledge in a Lovecraftian universe. That never leads to anything good. And they find a portal and it fucks everything up. And now the dude is basically just like hiring adventurers to send in parties to like reclaim his estate and hopefully get actually, rid of the shit. I was gonna say actually it's um you you are like the last, I, I want to say you're the last, like you're like the last scion of this house. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, yeah, you're just, you're desperately trying to clean the mess up enough that there maybe can be pieces for you to pick up. Okay. And so you just send these adventurers in and sometimes it's not easy. Like they get oh, killed a it's lot. A yeah, no, it's, and even it's if they don't get killed, game. they get like driven to madness and start getting all these quirks <laughs> and all sorts of other shit. But it's, yeah, you also like gradually like build your Hamlet and are able to not oh. lose all your progress when they die. I like it. Sounds really interesting. Mm -hmm. Is this a switch? Yeah. Is this on the switch at all? I'm not sure. I, know I didn't it, expect you to yeah, know, Tyler. I know, I know you're giving the <laughs> Yeah, no, I know I know it's on Steam, and I know that the second Darkest Dungeon game is coming out. I have a computer that can play video games for the first time since, like, 2007. And I'd say, I mean, if... Things just if clicked for me. <laughs> if you're oh, uh, it is on Switch. Sweet. Okay, yeah. And that does increase my chances yeah. of playing it. And but. if your computer is, since your, your new computer is going to be at least partially modern, it will be able to run Comparatively this modern? Yeah. Like... Recall, it's not a it's not a graphically intensive game. I have mm. to assume it's not hardware intensive either. And um, the art style is very Mignola-esque. Yeah, I, I do. I do like Mignola. Yeah, so. it's yeah, it's super heavy, super dark, super high contrast. Yeah. yeah, it's it's gorgeously illustrated. I I never could get 
too deep into the game just because it was hard to click with the mechanics needed to do anything beyond just the basic mm-hmm. levels. But I appreciate it. Like, even if I can't play it, let alone finish the game, I appreciate it for what it is. Having played a bunch of Marvel Snap with Tyler, the, <laughs> like, mechanic, like, fine detail stuff is, like, 90% of the video gaming he does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus is finding this out, too, as we play Monster Hunter now together. <laughs> <laughs> I liked how you like wanted to challenge that, and then literally I yeah, could see no, you thinking was... about the like, right? I figured out how to max gain stuff in Mortal Kombat, and just did that eight hundred times in a row for masks, which I haven't went back and done any more of yet because it burnt me out that bad. Fuck <laughs> you, did you for Mortal like eight Kombat. hours straight. Fuck you, new Mortal Kombat, and your experience. <laughs> you need to give me more for the amount I'm playing. Fair enough. What goes worth anything? I got two. I've got two things that have been been my recent stuff. Let's see if it's been two years. I I don't know if I've talked about the game Mechanicus. Um, it's if a, you have, it's been long enough that I think you yeah, can re-explain. Um, it's a Warhammer 40k game, but instead of oh, you're Space Marines. Oh, you're here's Imperial God, You're playing as Adeptus the Adeptus Mechanicus. Mechanicus. Yeah, and I want to say I think it's the. I'm I'm pretty sure it's the only game. That features them. Okay. Uh, because I know you play a broad variety of games, I assume this is a video game, but I'm not. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yep. This one's a video game. Um, it's a, it's a turn-based combat one. Basically, the game consists of you have a team of te- uh, you have a team of tech priests, your your heroes that you upgrade as you go through the game. Like you beat, a, you know, you beat a level, you get the resources to do those upgrades. You decide what weapons each one of your guys is equipped with and what improvements they get. And you also over time unlock like the different troops that the uh, that the mechanicus fields. I mean, you start with just the basic servitors and all they can do is a big slappy that is quite frankly, god awful, but they're free. You know, uh, leading all the way up to, okay, here's a big battle robot that's got giant punchy fists and a flamethrower on its shoulder and Do that like runs fists. into stuff. And the whole game takes place on a Necron tomb world that's waking up. So, you know, you've got your army of cyborgs and versus, and versus robot zombies. Yeah. Yeah. Versus mm-hmm. robot zombies. And like on each on each level, the longer you're there, the worse it get, the worse things get. So like okay. it'll be like um like at first it's just you know okay yeah here's the couple of them it um when you get into a battle then yeah you'll there'll be a couple guys but you stay in any given uh set of tombs too long okay like you you kill you know you kill one of them okay well in three turns he's gonna get back up. Oh, but you've stayed in this level long enough. Oh, he's going to get back up. Ones. He's going to get back up. Oh, oh no, they they're they're in there pretty dang early. But what you're saying um, is like you don't permanently kill an enemy, so the longer you're there, more enemies come. But the ones you uh, have, well, stay. you can you can finish them off if they are down, and then you shoot them, and then you hit them again. Now they will just teleport straight away. But you know that's an entire shot that you could have put into this other guy instead. Like it's okay. it's very yeah. I see what you're yeah. You have to really kind of balance the okay i could put this guy down permanently 
or I or, can stop this guy from getting to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like when if you've been there long enough, okay, now they're reviving in two turns. If you really take your sweet ass time, they go down the moment that unit's turn comes up again. He is now back up and coming at you all and all over. It's an interesting game because it starts off very difficult because you just don't have good weapon options. Mm -hmm. But it's especially if you do things right, the power creep can very much flip flip the other way. I mean, like we're gods now. I mean, pretty much like you're you're going to like. Early on, you will feel each and you will feel even one health when you lose it. And then eventually you get to a point where it's like, okay, yeah, this guy lost half his health and now his two buddies just healed him back up and also killed half the board. And now he's and now he's going to go and finish what's left because he's specced entirely for combat. I know I've made my opinions of both 40K and zombies pretty well known <laughs> over time, but I have to say the Necron designs are just absolute, like, oh, they, delightful yeah, fire. They're, so good. Bright, green, glowing, gorgeous. weird fire. Like, <laughs> See, I, I have some models of them that I just, I mean, I have so many goddamn Imperial Guard to paint, so I have no idea when I'm going to yeah, get Yeah, you have no in. one to blame but yourself I for mean, choosing an Imperial Guard. Army. I mean, yeah. yeah. Also, I don't know if he's ever shown you his models, but he's the motherfucker to the, to the point that he's like, on the inside of this tank, <laughs> on the computer screen, I painted a light like reflection. What the <laughs> fuck, man? I'll show I'll nice. show you, you some before I leave. You had to get a flashlight oh, yeah. and take it half apart just to show it to me. <laughs> oh yeah, that's killer. Yeah, it is um, very impressive. Yeah. With with my Necrons, I've been playing with the idea of instead of doing the classic. Blue, uh, green glow. I'd like to do a neon blue oh, instead because sake. I've seen some very gorgeous models set up with colors other than green, and mm. it just I think I I think especially especially if I I like the idea of having a coppery metal with blue glowy nonsense that but, could work. Yeah, I'll have I'll have to experiment a lot to get it dialed in exactly right because it's. I will say if you stick with like a black or blackish literally does not matter what glowing color you pick. That will always be good. Oh yeah. But uh, copper, copper does go well with both blues and greens. So mm-hmm. sorry. Art yeah. school kicked in for a second. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the other thing that's been eating my time up is uh, I've been the McElroy brothers. They've been doing a, I mean, in addition to their, massive stable of podcasts they've also been doing uh various video game streaming things and one of their most recent forays is they'll play a single player game together so like super mario world or the one i've been watching is donkey kong country because that game is very very dear to my heart like the super Um, nintendo yeah yeah so they have they have it set up on an emulator and then Justin controls movement, Griffin controls jumping, and Travis controls things like picking up barrels or, you know, any or holding so the buttons. So it's a fucking, um, oh, what was the Pokemon way that they did Oh, this? yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah, Twitch plays Pokemon, yeah, it's, yeah, Twitch plays Pokemon, but in some way, like, in some ways, infinitely better because, you know, you're not, I mean, it's not a million people putting in, but also... You have to watch them fail what 
should be the most basic of rhythm puzzles over and over and over. Cause just jump, jump and to make it worse. It's your two brothers with you. Like the two people. Oh, they rat. Yeah, no. And they're like, it's as, as someone with siblings and siblings that I care a lot about. No one I love more in this world, but no one I fucking hate more in this world either. Like, it is. Welcome to multiple sensations in a single relationship right there. Yeah, no, yeah. And, I mean, you you can you can feel it when they're playing, because they, th- things start going wrong, and you'll just watch this shift between them, especially based on who, who they decide is responsible <laughs> for. It up. Yeah. Man, that reminds me. I wish, I guess... I wish we would have had like easier video capture technology around at the time. Cause that reminds me like me and one of my best friends back in the day, Joe, um, I don't know if most people realize this, but on Goldeneye for the 64, oh there was unplayable garbage. Sorry. <laughs> so it, everybody, you know, remembers the 64 controls. If you scrolled through the controller setups, there was a, two very forward linking setups where you it was required that you had to use two controllers but it allowed you to have the dual sticks so you could actually like look and see i remember a friend doing that me being like that's insane and then so me and a friend did that but one of us controlled one controller and one of us controlled the other controller oh god (laughs) okay so the neighbor that i played goldeneye with in retrospect, was kind of a shit, but he was the other seven-year-old within a, like, 200-foot radius of me. Yeah. So he was seven, so, like, whatever. Calm down, Zach. But um, <laughs> that would have gone terribly. Oh, my God. We were talking about this. Someone was telling me that, like, you shouldn't remake video games. You should keep them in the old school. And I was like, one. Categorically wrong. Shut up. <laughs> and two, if we're going to accept that video games are an art form, which I do then we need to find better ways to preserve them than what we've been doing. And like, Oh my God, yes. that's great. You can't remake games. If you still own your old N64 and you play it, most of us do not. And three, I want a perfect dark remastered with an actual playable control. Like sense. modern control sense. Yes. Yeah. Because I remember perfect dark being the most perfect first person shooter ever made. And then you went back to play it. Actually, I went back to play Goldeneye being like, I was really good at Perfect Dark, and it's the same control, so I'll be fine. And I literally, like, got stuck in a corner. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You did also remind me of one other thing, though, when you said punchy robot fists. Um, I can't believe I forgot this. I've watched, like, a season and a half of BattleBots because it's on Max. Like, Craig Charles Lister doing BattleBots? No, no, that's Robot Wars. That's Robot Wars. (laughs) And I couldn't remember if it was Robot Wars or BattleBots, and that's why I clicked on it. Robot Wars like, is so much better than BattleBots, but I do enjoy BattleBots. I was like, Don't this might be Craig Charles, and then it loaded in, and it was American, and I'm like, it's not, but this is awesome. Craig Charles is the guy who plays Dave Lister. He was the uh, officiator head guy for Robot Wars. Okay. Which is okay. VR robot, not VR, like remote control robots beating the shit out of each other. Yeah, I was gonna say, I, I mean, yeah, it's a, yeah, you, it's, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I might know that I might not know the particular one, but yeah, it's a, but I, it's a I just, shot. I needed to say that I've been watching robots beat the shit out of each other and it's been amazing. I, mean, it's I call it fucking it's good. Love it's fucking call. good. It's, so it's kind of in the way that I dropped back into uh, Forged and Fire yesterday and was like, ah, yes, people are cutting a dead pig in half again. <laughs> My life is a little better now. <laughs> <laughs> and every once in a while, I look at those matches and I'm like, 
It just looks like two fucking remote control cars like bumping into each I other. I get bored of the flippy robots. And then every once, yeah. but then like something will happen and I'll be like, that just took a chunk out of the floor. <laughs> yeah, the power of those. Or are... I'm like, or it'll be like, yeah, that bot weighs 250 pounds. It just got flipped 10 feet in the air. <laughs> like... yeah, watching those things go to town is terrifying in the best way. Uh, as a quick side note, I just thinking of the various things to talk about here and just the last time Wug was here, I've been listening through uh, one of my podcasts from like when they started taking it seriously to today. So like 10 years worth of episodes over time and in order, which I've never done with this podcast before. And mm-hmm. uh, it's been really interesting as like a way to learn, like listening to things and being like, oh, they're doing this now. I should take note of that because I'm noticing like the improvement. So it, mm-hmm. it's a good way to kind of study. Also, I just like listening to last podcast and left, but they just hit 2020. Okay. Where I'm at. And like, there was definitely an episode where they're like, 2019 was the most incredible year of our lives. And like 2020 is geared to be even better. <laughs> our book tour starts in three months. The book is done. We're going to go signing it. Like I'm going back to my hometown where they thought I'd be a failure with my uh, face on the side of a fucking bus. We're going to travel <laughs> the world to do these tours. And then like two months later, they're like, we have lost our minds. <laughs> but... We're playing Twitch now. <laughs> like, nice. And I just, oh, it was sad. But it made me think. What a time to be alive. I miss nothing about 2020, obviously. Because I was there and I remember it. <laughs> but the thing that I appreciated they were talking about, I said they started playing Twitch. That's not making money. And what I do miss is the people, like, and we did some of this too. Not necessarily for our podcast network, but like, oh, I'm going to be on Twitch or on whatever playing video games. Or uh, I read some books over a live stream a couple of times. And like the ways that we found to connect to each other and still like feel that sense of community for the first like month and a half. I mean, I'm was really nice. And then we all got sick of it, but I'm, I'm just remembering the lower DoorDash fees. And I miss that. <laughs> I uh, the range in Pokemon Go extending so I could suddenly hit the gym the, uh, mm-hmm. from my couch. Yeah, <laughs> that was before I moved. <laughs> but OK, I'm sorry. Did you have anything? else? I, your- I was just going to say that I getting to see getting like people being able to just. Especially, you know, people who like, all right, cool, I literally can't work right now. Being able to just so often wholeheartedly throw themselves into art thing into mm-hmm. art things and creating stuff. I I desperately miss that. I on the other hand, we also had my boss come down from her office going, isn't it nice that we don't have to work from home? I'd be so stressed out. And then going back up to her office and taking her mask off. And I have never come so close to burning down a building in my life. But well, there's I no mean, chance my boss is ever going to listen to this. I'm not going deeper in that because mm-hmm. I do need to keep my job. <laughs> uh, let's see. What do I have? I actually wrote shit down of stuff I've been oh. watching for once. Yeah, I know, right? We've only been doing this since fucking 2018. Something like that. A long time. Uh, finish Lower Deck Season 4. I still have need you? to do that. Okay. See, Like we've talked about, we enjoyed Season 3, but we thought it was the weakest season. Season 4 might be the best season. Okay. 
it's really kind of pushing the boundaries of how long they can keep the lower decks going as lower decks. They all got promotions. They're still fucking Lieutenant Junior grade. They're fucking mm-hmm. nothing. But like, Boimler was in charge of the Cerritos. He was in the captain's chair. He did good. Like, really Shit. good. Mariner got wild fucking uh, character growth. And they literally found a way to tie the whole season back to the Next Generation episode, Lower Decks, which was the inspiration for the whole fucking show. <laughs> nice. Also, we found out Mariner's been in Starfleet for like 10 to 15 years at this point. We knew she'd been in there for a while, but like... I I haven't been... I haven't been trying to stay away. Uh, I've been like half-heartedly trying to stay away from spoilers. Uh, not trying very hard, but every once in a while, I'm like, okay, I'll let I'll let in a little bit. the The revelation of how long Mariner has been in Starfleet kicked off a giant thing on the lower deck subreddit, where they have been trying to figure out everyone's ages. So that suddenly <laughs> threw a lot into question. She's got probably ten years on most of them. At least five or six. It's a little fuzzy because I don't know my math and t- no, because yeah, it's a while. It is a while uh, because we found out she was a cadet in Starfleet in like season three of Next Generation, and this takes place after the final Next Gen movie. Okay, okay. To just give a timeline there, if you want to get the full context of the final episodes, and I don't think you need to because CC really enjoyed them and she hadn't seen them. But watch, admittedly, a next-gen episode I don't like too much, but it's a fine episode called The First Duty. It's a Wesley Crusher after Wesley left the Enterprise episode. Mm, And then watch Lower Decks, which has a nice little, like, follow-through anyways. They're just, like, a good tie-in episodes. And then you watch those, and you're like, holy shit, this is some, like, for Lower Decks, this is a deep fucking cut. Okay. Okay. Uh, And then... Actually, just today, I read Monica Rambo. How do you pronounce that name? Rambo. Rambo. Yeah. Monica Rambo Photon from Marvel by Evel Ewing. It is a mini series that came out this year. I I think the collected edition came out like this month. Okay. That's probably timed on purpose because Marvel's is coming out. Mm-hmm. It is. I'm not going to be like, it's amazing. It's really good. Don't get me wrong. But it's one of those interesting comic books that doesn't feel a strong need for a, like, opposing force. Like, there's no huge supervillain presence. There's no, like, really kind of definitive answer of what's going on. It's a weirdly... I'm going to read this book a couple of times. I think it, it's, it doesn't follow a lot of traditional superhero narrative structure. Monica Rambeau, formerly Captain Marvel, now Photon. She's gone through like six different identities. She's an incredibly capable black woman who, which I only bring up because it pisses off a lot of people. That there's <laughs> this capable black woman that gets comic books. That, and she just got buffed and snap. Oh, really? I'll look into that She's later. She's a six, seven now. Oh, fuck. But uh, uh, sh- um, she's being like, thrown across dimensions and a lot of the story is like what is the source of all that information and kind of ties it back into her own emotions and her own like 
uncertainty in life because this is a character that has been thrown through literally like five or six different identities in a couple of cases with personalities, depending on the author that just might as well be a completely unique character Mm. and kind of like looks into tying in a lot of this and has a whole lot of like, this is a powerful black woman and you are not allowed to ignore that. I've been a fan of Evel Ewing since her Ironheart miniseries like five years ago. That was probably the best book of that year. And no one fucking paid attention to it because it was a fucking Ironheart miniseries. Right. She just took over Black Panther and I went, oh, okay, I'm interested again. Like, <laughs> and not a knock on anyone else, but I read most of Ta-Nehisi Coates' run and I didn't finish it because Intergalactic Empire of Wakanda took fucking forever. Oh, I loved it so much by yes. the time it played out. In fairness, I was reading it at the beginning and then COVID hit and it fucked with production stuff. That's not their fault. Mm-hmm. I just haven't gotten around to sitting and like bashing it out. And then there were a few other like, the guy who did uh, uh, 12 Years a Slave, I think. Oh. Wrote it. Because he did some comic book work. Okay. And I was like, okay, this is cool. I'm not that interested in the storyline you're presenting, but like into it. But so like a lot of like, it's not like they took a dip in quality of creators, but it's just none of the like storylines that are putting out spoke to me. And then they're like, Eval Ewing is doing this. And look at this new Black Panther design. I went... Holy shit, I'm going to start reading Black Panther again. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how to talk about this book, so we're not going to talk about it for long. But I wanted to mention it because I want more people to read it because it's interesting. And they took big swings in ways that wasn't just, and now we blow up the universe. Although, they do almost blow up the universe. (laughs) It's still comic books. But you know what I mean. Like, (laughs) uh, There's this thing in comic books of we have to scale up, up, up. And I reached the point where I'm like, I do not care. Like we have lost personality. This does not. This is all about personality. Also, Dr. Druid's alive again for part of this. And he's actively, they actively insult him. I mean, because <laughs> it's Druid. And Druid in back in the day manipulated people into overthrowing Captain Marvel from leading the Avengers. Yes. Monica. So she's just like, I know things are bad when this fool's alive again. And I was like, fuck yeah. Um, So that's all before he's dead and on fire in a dumpster then, right? Yes. Okay. Basically, after everything goes bad in the Avengers, he buys a house and like rents it out to low level sorcerers who accidentally summon Damon Hellstrom, son of Satan. He decides to get his revenge on Damon Hellstrom, son of Satan. So Damon Hellstrom, son of Satan murders him and burns his corpse in a dumpster. If you want to know more about this, listen to our new Byland episodes and listen to Mac get unreasonably <laughs> excited about this entire storyline. Like we have read, we read probably 40 books in that. And I don't think anything has made him as happy <laughs> as, as Druid getting lit on fire by Damon Hills from son of Satan. Yes, exactly. Okay. You know, and because of just, how much glee comes up every single time that specific thing gets mentioned. I spent, I think half an hour trying to find a set of Google of keywords to put into Google to see if I could get the, just, just that panel. Just so that I could panel. See. It yeah. basically happens off panel. It is like at the end of the Druid miniseries because it's a Dr. Druid <laughs> miniseries that they do this in. There's like, 
oh, by the way, we threw his body in a dumpster and set it on fire. And it's like a picture of a dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> like it is not there. There is no respect being given to Anthony Ludkick <laughs> Druig there. Um, Let's see. Uh, Hulu spent enough time going, do you want to watch Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? That I went, I sure do. The uh, Martin Freeman. Right. It's uh, what, 2007? Yeah. Right. Uh, somewhere in the Oddies. It's right so there. So long. Thanks, bro. Which I know <laughs> it was not popular when it came out. I think is a massively underrated. Movie. I like that movie. I thought it was great. Now. I'm not a huge Hitchhiker's Guide fan. Like, I enjoyed the book. I read it. I've been meaning to reread it for a long time. But it's not a sacred cow for me by any stretch of the imagination. So when they were like, oh, my God, they changed things. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> also. 2005. Thank you. 2005. That explains something that I'll mention in a sec. I forgot. The, uh, Douglas Adams. Uh, Douglas Adams wrote like four different versions of Hitchhiker's Guide, and none of them were faithful to the book. Because if I remember, he did the book, the stage play, the radio play, and the original TV miniseries. He had various levels of involvement in, and each one of them he did different things with. And he started helping with this, and then he, you know, fucking died. So... They'd make it a little tough. So, yes, he, he wasn't there for the final product, but he was there for some of the early stuff. But, like, I get that part of Arthur Dent being this kind of, like, unlikable, pathetic sack was some of Douglas Adams' uh, cynicism about the world. But I don't think it was a terrible idea to make Arthur vaguely likable, which he was not in the book, as I remember it. I don't remember disliking him in the book. It's he been wasn't a while since terrible. I read them, I just but... remember getting annoyed with kind of how pathetic he was. I mean, and there's some early 2005, like, weird romance stuff where I'm like, you need to, like, you need to lower some of your kind of expectations here, Arthur. But also, Martin Freeman's charming. Uh, the two things that really hit me watching this when I haven't watched it in years, but I used to watch it a lot. Sam Rockwell? Yeah, we'll go with that one first. <laughs> Sam Rockwell? And the George Bush accent he gives uh, Zephod Beeblebrox as presidents of the... And I didn't really notice it at the time until watching it and went, oh, fuck. That's just straight up George W. Bush. And, like, it's kind of easy to write off George W. Bush in 2023 uh, because it's, one, been long enough, and, two... We've had Donald Trump since then, so the bar has been upped. But, like, I heard that accent in a character who somehow had authority and was like, oh, right, you were evil. <laughs> you were awful. Just, like, intrinsically mad. Because, I mean, like, the Bush era was when I started paying attention to politics. Uh, and then the other thing, as much as I enjoy uh, Zoe Duchanel, Duchanel, Duchanel yeah. I never say it right. Zoe Duchanel? And who plays a very Zoe Deschanel version of Trillian. Like, she's got a type. The Manic Pixie Dream Girl, as much as, like, it is kind of a male power fantasy, what I thought of this time, not just like, oh, male power fantasy, like, you need, you don't need this, like, oh, free spirit girl to save you. The Manic Pixie Dream Girl has to be fucking exhausting to spend time with. Yeah. 
You failed this test by not going to Madagascar with me when we met at a party. What is a 10-hour plane trip with you like? <laughs> Honest question. Like, <laughs> Man, this is a stacked cast. I no, forgot that how cast good it was. is fucking incredible. Sam Rockwell, Most Def, Zoe Deschanel, Martin Freeman, Bill Nye, Warwick Davis, Alan Rickman, Helen Mirren, John Malkovich, Stephen Fry, Bill Bailey, Thomas Lennon. It's great. So good. And it's got that, like, when they're like, oh, and every, it's got, like, big letters, don't panic, and, like, they have the whole thing about, like, it's in uh, kind of a friendly, calming font and stuff. Their stylization for the Hitchhiker's Guide does relax me. And maybe it's because I was alive and remember that era of kind of, like, the soft and the, the pastel colors and, like, the kind of rounded stuff, but it just... I like the, like, yeah. the Babblefish cartoon. The Babblefish cartoon. The actual Babblefish is a surprisingly good little puppet. Mm-hmm. Um, no, the whole thing is great. Most of Death is fucking fantastic as Ford, too. Yeah. Rickman? Marvin the Paranoid Android? With Warwick Davis. You have to yeah. give credit to... I know he doesn't do a lot in that, but, like, Marvin works because those two were working in, like, perfect sync. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my last one for it, and I don't have too much on this one, but I started Immortal Thor by Al Ewing, who is different from Eve Ewing. I did not realize I had two different Ewings who are completely unrelated, but both <laughs> writing Marvel comics. Immortal Thor is the current Thor run. Al Ewing previously wrote Immortal Hulk, mm-hmm. which is the greatest Hulk run of all time. We've talked about this across a couple of different shows. It is very body horror. Be aware if you're going to read this, it is an unnerving fucking Hulk run. And we were like, okay, so obviously it's called Immortal. We've got Al Ewing coming in, who is, by the way, Marvel's in top two of Marvel's writers right now. Obviously, I don't expect it to be fucking Hulk body horror because it's not Hulk. That'd be fucking weird with Thor. But like, the fuck is this going to be? And it is so fucking good. I think its first issue is better than the Jason Aaron first issue. Okay. And I fucking love, I mean, you, you know me, Mm -hmm. Jason Aaron's Thor run is one of the two best Thor runs of all time. This is really working hard to hit third place. Okay. Only three issues are out. I'm not, I'm not putting it there yet. The third place is Dan Jurgens right now, but, um, I know but it's worth it. It's putting in the work. It's home. It's something fucking special. The art, the writing, it's gorgeous. They put Thor back in his old school style. And I was like, I don't know about that. And then really quickly, it was like, yeah, <laughs> this is classic <laughs> Thor. Cause he's still God of like King of Asgard, the all father. He's not holding any responsibility, but because there's a huge thing in Al Ewing's writings with the gods, about the power of story and the power of myth and visualization, Thor bringing back his like old school, charming adventurer self, as well as being the God, like the mm-hmm. King is a really good way of him differentiating himself from when Odin was the all father, because a lot of the uh, Thor stories over the years have been Odin dies. Thor becomes the new all father. And he's weighted down by the responsibilities of becoming king. Blah, 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 blah. And they're fucking great stories. But it's kind of fun to see him be like, yeah, I'm king. And yeah, I've got responsibility. But you know what's also fucking sweet? 
throwing hammers at people. <laughs> uh, it opens with the the frost giants about to attack, and Thor arrives and literally is like, I'm very disappointed in you. Yeah. And the frost giants are about to like fucking wreck his day, or think they're about to wreck his day, or make fun of him. He's like, I excuse me, I am not talking to you. I'm talking to the blizzard you summoned to try to overtake Asgard. Because a blizzard is a storm, and I am Thor, the god of the storm. I am very cross with you. I'm going to give you one shot to go away. And, like, the blizzard disappears, and all the frost are like, oh, no. <laughs> it's fucking great. And Al Ewing has had a long history of writing Loki. He wrote Loki, Agent of Asgard which took place right after Young Avengers. He wrote uh, Defenders Beyond, which is a major Loki story, and has a huge thing of he really plays up Loki as the god of mischief and the god of stories, as opposed to the god of evil and the god of lies. Mischief versus lies is a very subtle yet important distinction. Mm -hmm. I, and I love the way that they just fucking kick the door down of like, this is a Loki that's a little different than we've seen before. The Jason Aaron run ends. One of the thing that ends is Loki is now the king of Jotunheim. He is a king of the frost giants, basically on the same level as Thor. Like they're actually dealing with each other's equals. The first time we see Loki, Thor's like, Hey, what the fuck? We were just raided by frost giants. Like what you doing, Loki? And he's like, oh, I gave it up. Like you, what? <laughs> he's like, yeah. Like, you can't do that. You've worked for it for years. Yeah, but I didn't like it. <laughs> or do you, <laughs> you have responsibilities. No, 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 no. You have responsibilities. I'm Loki. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Like, and the, the first issue literally ends with Thor beats a powerful thing, but he's about to fall asleep thanks to blah, 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 you know, whatever magic not important to this. And Loki shows up and Thor's like, okay, here's how you can like save us and warn people. And he's like, Thor, I need you to answer some stuff for me. Like, uh, kind of busy here, Loki. He goes, Thor, I need you to trust me. And he's Thor's immediately like, uh oh. <laughs> no, 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 no. Do you trust me as a member of As as a loyal uh member of Asgard? He's like, I literally was asking for your help like four seconds ago. It's like, cool. Do you trust me as your sibling who loves you? He's like, yeah. You're, I've forgiven. Do you know how many times I've forgiven you when I should not have? Like, yes, I am passing out Loki. Get to the fucking point. And his final ones. Do you trust me as your enemy? And Thor's got this like, uh, oh, like, oh, oh no. And the, the, it's, it's like a two, three panel thing, but it's fucking amazing as Thor is going. Oh no. Like, if I say yes, I'm giving Loki permission to be quote unquote bad Loki again, my enemy again. I've seen what happens when Loki gets real dark. But also, he's my brother who I love, who I trust, and he is asking basically for permission. He's asking for like do a, he basically he thinks that he needs to be bad to get what is done. To save everything. It's a, I don't, I'm not even explaining it well. And he's like, yeah, do what you have to do. 
But also, by the way, if we're going to fight right now, I'm about to pass out, so I don't have time to be nice. So if you're going to be my enemy, I'm going to hit you with this hammer really fucking hard. <laughs> and then the next issue is literally him building a hammer, a new hammer. So he's like, no, I've got two hammers. This one's for breaking, this one's for building. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so fucking insanely good. I Only three issues are out. I spent fucking $15 on them because single issues are now fucking garbage for how much they charge it's like five bucks an issue yeah fuck that noise when i buy a collected edition it's like 17 dollars for six issues never going back to singles again i was just too excited anyways immortal thor if you read any book on the market right now honestly i think immortal thor is the one i'm gonna argue for you reading killer um wow that was a long first half of our show but we're going to take a quick break because I got to pee so goddamn badly. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about how it's cold outside. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I was in an absolutely foul mood on Friday. Just like shit ass mood. The kind of mood that can only be described with two swear words clumsily put together like a third <laughs> grader who hasn't figured out the flow yet in like swear. And it wasn't like I was having a super bad Wait, I want, just because we've already decided what's coming up next time, I want you to keep shit ass in mind. Okay. I just, anytime I think of it, I remember, like, being in third grade and, like, swearing, because I'm starting to say the naughty words, but I haven't figured out how to, like, get the flow. But, like, okay, so on Friday, I'm having a bad day, and it's the kind of bad day where nothing really that terrible is happening, but I'm letting every little, like, garbage thing get to me. And I'm, I know I'm going to start watching Red Dwarf and I'm like, just fucking living for that. But I'm just nervous because I love this show too much. I am aware of this fact about me. I'm like, what if I don't like it? And then literally, dun, 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 dun. I was just like, the world has color again. <laughs> so. This is an interesting episode because in a way it's a revisit for Tyler and I, because way back in, it would have been like March of 2020, February of 2020, mm-hmm. we did the first three episodes of this season. So the first half of this season. And the reason we're doing this is to an extent because Will messaged me afterwards and went, where do I find Red Dwarf? I need to watch this show now. <laughs> and I went, well, that's an episode right there. And it just fucking took us three years to get there because time is an illusion. Oh my God, time's fake. Time's mm-hmm. fake. Fucking blew Stephen's mind. And he was like, you did this like last year. I'm like, no, no, we didn't. <laughs> because no. on that episode, you said you were going to re-listen to it. I didn't get to it. Uh, I'd, um, I re-listened to a portion of it, not all of it. During the time of that episode, it was what Jesse was with yep. us on that one. Skyping in, yeah. Skyping in. Jesse's in Washington. I think Washington. Mm-hmm. I know it's a coast. Uh, COVID had made it to Washington, but not had not made it to Montana yet when we did that episode. Oh, boy. If you really want a very specific, like, one-week moment in time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> holy shit. So the part, like, before ingesting, we were asking, like, what... What's it like, man? What's it like, man? And then we found the fuck out. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I remember thinking, like, I don't think it'll be that bad. And boy, was I wrong. Mm. But, um, 
watching the show, I was watching it with Mac on Saturday. Mac, uh, the noob over on Noob Island. Fucking great. And I don't, I don't know if either of you, I know Tyler hasn't, I don't think you've ever watched anything with Mac before. Like, he does not react to the TV. So he just sits there and you guys in the audience haven't seen Mac, so that's fine. But he's just like, I don't want to, there's something about him that's kind of almost unobtrusive. And I don't mean that in a negative way. He's just, he has other than the fact that he shaved his head today and I got sent a picture of him with a gas mask and he looks like Walter White. Um, what? Uh, what? <laughs> I'm going to have to see this picture, by the way. I guess yeah. I'll send it to you. Yeah. No, Walter. he, he, yeah. he looks like fucking Breaking Bad. But, uh, why <laughs> breaking back <laughs> because he saw the picture of his bald spot and he felt bad. And I shouldn't have said that on somewhere where we're recording, but, um, Mac, we love you. Yeah. You're the best dude. Fucking the best, but he has a kind of like almost seventies coif of blonde hair. And he always has like a, a, a collared shirt and he's just sitting there kind of like quietly on my couch with a little half smile that he always has watching the TV. And I'm like, I can't turn this off because I have to get through these episodes. I have this coming up. I cannot tell. You could have turned it off. You know the episodes. If I'm being a shit host. <laughs> like, and I was finally like, do we need to change? He's like, no. Like, Thank you, Lord. <laughs> so this is kind of my lead up to, I bought you Red Dwarf for like Christmas 2021, this season. Yeah, like like it, it was Christmas the following year. So it would have been like 2021. You didn't watch it, which is fine. I'm not throwing shade on that. I have been so stressed <laughs> in this week in particular, but up to it. Do you like it? Yeah. I mean, I, so for my watching that, watching it in preparation for this, which was also my first run through of watching it. That was all crammed in on Sunday before and then after Belogarth. So, so was, you watched like three episodes. I hit watched, nerds in a gym real hard. Cause I was watching <laughs> <laughs> really fucking hard. Will. And then you <laughs> went home good. after pizza with us and watched more red dwarf. Mm -hmm. So you just had the greatest Sunday <laughs> that I could imagine is what you're telling me here. Yeah, it sounds like a really good Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. It, now I'm trying to remember what I did Sunday, and it was not nearly. I went to fucking work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had a pretty good day. Like, I finished it off with watching the last episode of the season. Yeah, you and I were talking about this, I think, on Friday before I started watching it, going, we're going to rewatch this before, before we do this, because, I mean, we're, we're not professionals because we don't get paid, but we're professionals we're not fucking amateurs at least <laughs> like yeah. um but you and i could probably sit down and just bash out a rough episode on this first season with nothing more than the wikipedia descriptors of the episodes of the episodes because just because i know them like the back mm, of my yeah. fucking hand um my mom introduced me to red dwarf just you know if you haven't listened to our old episode on red dwarf my mom introduced me to red dwarf when uh, she was poor and Britcoms was an easy way to distract me. Hmm. No shame on it. Just, yeah, you know, no, that's, that's they were on PBS. It was 
probably 20 bucks to get I mean, the two it, tapes that was the full first season. If it gets the job done, it gets mm-hmm. the job done. Uh, I did. I assume you just watched it on PBS when you were a kid or. Oh, um, no, this is one that uh, one of my one of my best friends growing up, Joe, uh, Joe Hummel. He he's the one that mainly introduced me to a bunch of different British comedies. Is he the one whose brother emailed us? No, no, no. That's Angus. OK, he sent us another email. Oh, yeah, I saw her on uh, Facebook. Thank you, James. Hi, James. <laughs> no, uh, Joe was the one that mostly got me into British comedies. His um, his aunt was the one that got him into it and she would sort of feed our need and oh god i even though it would have been he would have been the reason we watched it but i had another friend jack who was uh at least red dwarf he was into as well as monty python i don't think he went into blackadder like me and joe did well he didn't want to cry endlessly about world war one <laughs> But it would have been Joe's idea, but it would have been Jack's copy of Red Dwarf that we first watched. <laughs> and then at different times, he borrowed uh, some of the different seasons from his aunt. Mm-hmm. We watched those. I definitely had a very like all over the map. And I was thinking about this. That doesn't super exist anymore. Of you just watched what episodes you could and piece together shit over time. Mm-hmm. Because in the age of streaming, like and I'm guilty of this. There's a lot of books that even just comic books or shows and I'm like, I want to watch it, but I can't find the first season or whatever. So I just don't back in the day you bought issue 211, which was part three of five of a storyline that you weren't going to find the rest of. And you were fucking happy about it. <laughs> Mister. Like Orf as a son. Now I'm just jumping all over different forms of mediums, but uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't know when I was a kid, this was the whole first season, the first six episodes. Cause I was used to British or mm. American television. So I didn't fully understand that six episodes was a busy fucking season for them. That was, I mean, yeah, that, that like what, um, I remember when I was trying to figure out, cause this last weekend was, was very full for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, you know, I literally was scr- like scrambling up to the, I went to bed early on Saturday to make sure I could get up early enough on Sunday to, to get some watching this mm-hmm. happen. But look, at, I was looking up like the evening before, like, you know, OK, wait, how wh- what am I working with here? Six, 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 six episodes. That's it. Just- <laughs> OK, never mind. I'm fine. <laughs> uh, so you were inspired to watch it based on the first episode. Is there anything in the now that you went through it that was different than what you thought it would be based on the description real quick. While you think about that answer real fast, if you've not watched red dwarf, red dwarf is kind of waiting for Godot in space. It is about the last human being in existence alone on a ship with a person that evolved from his pet cat over the course of 3 million years, the hologram of his dead shithead roommate and the ship's computer that has been alone for 3 million years and has gone slowly insane. Sorry. I just, if you haven't watched the show. (laughs) Yeah, no. And I, I, I wish I, I wish I'd had a chance to re-listen to the, to that podcast episode because I did that done about it because I mean, at this point it's been a 
couple years. It's since. been long enough that you were like, I know I wanted to watch this, mm, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, best as I can probably best as I can piece together because I, I am always a sucker for, okay, soup. You know, this is happening far in the future, and oh, you know, especially if it gets into, it's happening in space, and then you get to that. Oh, hey, by the way. You're wor- like, yeah, this is the last person or everything's falling apart. Just I mean. W- when it, when it's what should Frank, quite frankly, when it's sh- something that should be utterly dystopian that. And takes place in space that gets my attention very easily. Um, Dystopians are really interesting. Like, I've never put that with Red Dwarf, but you're right. Well, it should be. I was going to say that's one of the things because that's one of the things I found utterly fascinating while watch while watching this because it doesn't it's just so it's, mundane instead well, like, it's 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 mundane it's funny and it's internally consistent in how the characters carry themselves well it like, like oh it, it like they are taking themselves completely seriously while simultaneously at all moments not taking seriously at all this the stark realities of this setting. I mean, so like they're ta- so you're saying like they take a lot of jokes about everything, but they're not doing it at like putting a character out of character to do it. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, well, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, the characters, they like, I have to assume a real person in that scenario is gonna get fucked up real quick from that knowledge of holy shit I'm the last person it doesn't feel out but even with that it doesn't feel wrong that he's not reacting in that way it's interesting I don't remember I know obviously you've not did you read the first novel yeah I've read Infinity Welcomes Careful Drivers yeah because they wrote a novel that's the first season Okay. Functionally as it's a novel. It's basically the first two seasons. First two seasons. Th- and if I remember right from when I read it, which I I had actually read it like months before our first episode, so I know that we bring it up a lot on that first episode mm-hmm. um, and in a lot better detail. I'm We're not going to go heavy onto on it. it I just said the one thing. But but uh, if I as I remember it from when I read through it, it's basically the first two seasons but there's also jokes in it that they mind later that pop up in like season four. Okay. <laughs> season four is a fucking baller. See, it might be my favorite season, but in the book, Lister has a period before they find the cat and before Rimmer's brought on board where he does go completely fucking feral for a while. And mm-hmm. that's why, and they mention it here. Rimmer is brought here to keep Lister sane. Yeah. And he does it by driving Lister Up insane. <laughs> like yeah. it's, um, they also change it in the book and they'll change it later on in the series that he actually had been in a relationship with Kachansky and she dumped him not too long before oh, the okay. series start okay. to make his obsessive love with her a little less fucking creepy. That's good. <laughs> Also might bring up a slight level of his confidence of like, if she's just around, she'll go on a date with me. Although you can kind of let's not bring up his confidence yet. That's for a very different episode. (laughs) You can kind of write some of that off on just how 
dumb Lister is. He's Cloyster the stupid. The God thi- damn it, Cloyster. <laughs> you want actually? Let's just do it this way. Let's kind of just dive over the. We'll go with the four characters because Holly is absolutely an underrated gem. The thing that stuck out for Lister for me this time, and it's not like I'd never noticed it before, but really how not wrong they are on how fucking gross Lister is. I spill things. I am a large man. I am a clumsy man. I spill things regularly. Lister is fucking disgusting. And like when I was a kid, I thought it was the funniest fucking, it is still one of the funniest gags in it where he's like, uh, you think he's putting in deodorant and then he goes to put on the face lotion and realizes it's his deodorant. So he's just covered his armpits with shaving cream and he just grabs it and puts it on his, <laughs> that I don't mind so much. I'm that like, I don't. It, most but, of that never touched his pit anyway. It was hanging out all the way out here. And I don't mind it as much. It's still gross, but like just the way that he's like eating nachos in the bed and the like cheese everywhere or the constantly using his shirt and jacket as the napkins. beer milkshake really that alone <laughs> because that means it's beer and ice cream blended that's gonna curdle something <laughs> the the one that bugs me but also makes me laugh way harder than it ever did when i was a kid is when he's trying to watch the movie and he's drinking the chocolate milk and he just like spits it all up on his fucking shirt. <laughs> yep. Cause it's super disgusting, but you can see him like trying not to laugh because he realizes how ridiculous it is. What he just did. It's like in a later season when he's threatening someone, he's threatening, uh, uh, another hologram that shows up. He literally eats a cigarette. Oh yeah. I l- oh my God. I love that scene. And he's spoiling for a rumble. And then like, he just literally swallows the cigarette. And if you watch the the gag reel, he manages to hold it together just long enough to complete the scene that it'd be like, why did I do that? That was the most <laughs> disgusting thing I've ever done. The thing that hit me here, and you've never read any of the Discworld novels, Will, so this won't mean anything to you. Lister is Nobby fucking Nobs. Lister is so Nobs. <laughs> and Craig and Nobby wasn't a, a person yet. The uh, the the guard books didn't come out until a few years later. Because this came out, what, like, 88? Nobby is Lister cranked up to, like, 11. Sure, but Craig Charles would have played the most amazing fucking Nobby Nobs. Nobby is Nobby is a character that's so weird and kind of gross that he has a letter from the leader of the city that is saying, by all evidence that I've been presented, we're pretty sure Nobby is human. <laughs> <laughs> and, like... The other thing that made me think of it, we'll get to it, but Rimmer made me think of fucking Red Shoe, the zombie uh, guardsman that's always talking about how the dead disre- or the dead are disrespected by the living. That's kind of fun. That's funny. <laughs> and so he's saying like, holy shit, it's just Discworld in space. That's funny. Um, It's not at all, but there were just enough. Like, right, because it's Odd Couple in space. It's Waiting for Godot in space. There's so <laughs> many fucking things it can be. But yes, Odd Couple's a good one. Waiting for Godot because it's just kind of a couple of people alone waiting for a thing to happen and it never fucking happens. And it's just watching them unfold over time. Yeah. Any thoughts on, um, on list? I just drop this on you. I guess, but any thoughts uh, on the entirety of Dave Lister's character as presented to you so far, (laughs) but masterfully by Craig Charles. I mean, it's this, this might be more 
just because of how I kind of entered the, you know, hey, what caught my attention about this first? And that contrast between... That's the, why you're here, bud. Yeah. Um, I mean, as I was sitting there think, thinking about, like, how, I mean, yeah, none of them are taking the situation seriously. And then, what is it, episode... Three episode, the one that had the three cat priest. Three is where they meet the cat priest. Yeah, the cat yeah, waiting priest. for God. Yeah, one of the best episodes of the whole series. I fucking love waiting for yeah, God. Yeah, well, like you have this guy who's, I mean, literally every time they say he's he's a nothing, they're not wrong. He's he is a slob, and I mean, and I you know he's perfectly content there. Which hell yeah, awesome. Keep what it is up, the dude. fucking, but, um, he's the lowest ranking person on the ship and in the captain's notes, which isn't that episode, but they're talking about yeah, it. Yeah, he left his job as basically the like bagger at a grocery store after 10 years. Cause he didn't want to get tied down to a career yeah. and like, okay, I work in a grocery store. No shame. Baggers work their asses off, but like, Christ, that's a fucking good line. Yeah. To me, there's something incredible in this contrast that you have this guy who no ambitions is just around and is happy to just, okay, I've got my Cheetos. I'm set. And then, you know, in this same six episode span, we've got, holy shit. I start, I spot, I spawn because of me, a religion happened. Oh my God. People did religious wars in my name. <laughs> holy shit. Those guys, because of my fucking laundry list, crashed into an asteroid and half of them so half of this entire species is dead i wish i could say sorry to them and try to explain things Lister. and also i'm gonna make this dead chicken dance around when we actually open that pod it's a garbage pod it's a smacking garbage pod <laughs> but i don't know there, there's something to me utterly incredible about this he's able he's able to mentally handle being the last human or conceivably at least the last human because of how oblivious he is but when he's clued into something he cares well it's interesting he's fascinatingly a, deeply i mean the the sheer amount of compassion he had for this last priest i mean he's fucking around with the donut and they're like oh i could go in i should go in there i'm going to go in there and sorry I mean, Loister. Yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, this guy's, this, this fucking cat person is literally on his deathbed. Having a full on crisis of faith. Uh, yeah. And, and he, it, and Lister go, it, Lister go, does, I mean, it's a, it's, for, you know, it's a small thing. It really is all just a small thing, but because of, but for, for this last cat priest, it's, Everything. And he fucking threatens Cat with a fucking oversized <laughs> golden sausage to do it. So I love okay. The reason Lister is the only person possibly in existence, I think, that could pull this off, like being the last person in existence on Red Dwarf, is the absolute center of the Venn diagram between no ambition, stupid, and kind that he exists in. Uh yeah. Uh because like, he, I mean, he's got his plan, but his plan is fucking nonsense. I'm going to have a farm on Fiji with sheep and horses and my, we're going to go with the later version, ex-girlfriend. 
Yeah. Um, who's going to wear a white dress? And I'm paying for it by not buying deodorant. Um, but then, and then like, as we said, dumb. He doesn't know what an iguana is. It's an iguana. <laughs> and, oh God, the way that Craig Charles can fucking deadpan those moments <laughs> is like, I don't think of Red Dwarf as super deep acting, but the way that he can commit to a bit just long enough to pull it off is just so fucking good. And then, like, yeah, he's nice. He is genuinely, as much as he fucks with Rimmer, he does things to make sure that Rimmer is okay. He really easily could not help Rimmer, but he does. Mm -hmm. Like, anytime Mm -hmm. Rimmer needs it, he might not be happy about it, or, like, he immediately is like, I have to keep Cat alive, and literally, I'm the only person who can. <laughs> like, Cat yeah. is the only, suck. Cat is the <laughs> only person stupider than myself. Um, <laughs> and then it's way later. It's the, I don't remember what it's called, but it's the miniseries between season eight and season ten, because they never released season nine. Oh, um, Back, Back to, to Earth. Earth. Yeah. He has, like, a crisis of faith in it. And then at the very end, he has this moment of he's like, and it's something someone told him. He's like, no, I'll be okay. I'm pretty cool. And I'm kind of heroic when the chips come down. And like, and that's really the thing. He doesn't have ambition, but like when stuff needs doing, he does it. In the first episode, when he's like, no one can fuck with the plan, not even you, but I do respect you, Captain. I don't doubt that he respects the Captain. He doesn't take him that seriously because he doesn't take anyone that seriously but like i don't know there's something very genuine about lister that i appreciate he's got big hobbit energy (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) okay let's move on to his polar opposite arnold j judas that's right arnold judas rimmer bsc ssc (laughs) Bronze swimming certificate, silver swimming certificate. Played by, I cannot think of the actor. Chris Berry. Chris Berry, who, I don't know if it happened in this season, but to really make sure that they got that character stuff right, the actors who played Lister and Rimmer fucking hated each other for Mm. like five of the seasons. They made peace, but... Which is good. You want that to happen. Honestly... I think he's he's more like Rimmer than you want him. I was going to say, oh, like, no. <laughs> he's not Rimmer, <laughs> but. I was just I was going to say he's um, also notable for being Lara Croft's butler. Yeah. Uh, there's a later episode in a later season that is a huge anti-war episode that was pulled because they were in uh, the first Iraq war. And BBC didn't want to be putting anti-war stuff out. And every member of the cast and every creator was like, that is such bullshit. That's exactly the time that you have to be playing this episode. And they switched to that actor. And he's like, yeah, I totally get it. Like uh, why you might not be allowed to play that at that time or at all ever. You might just maybe got to do what's right for the country. And I was like, oh, buddy. I tried to find a person who Rimmer is in Discworld because we just started playing mm, that mm-hmm. game. <laughs> I guess Red Shoe in the like, no, cause only the, Oh, they don't pay respect to the dead. 
Brimmer doesn't have a Discworld character, really. Maybe Mayonnaise Quirk, the, the Daywatch officer that gets fucked over very quickly in uh, Men at Arms. Brimmer really just is kind of every worst impulse of humanity. Uh, While not being directly uh, every no, low level. No, he's just like a... I mean, he's just fucking Di- Dwight Schrute if he couldn't touch anything. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> don't like that, but yeah. Uh, well, I'm like, okay. Every, when I say every worst impulse of humanity, I mean like every low level annoying characteristic that you can get. He's cowardly, selfish, self serving, <laughs> too ego- ambitious, but lazy. <laughs> Too egotistical to admit that he gets in his own way. And like you, we do learn things to be like, oh, your childhood was bad, but not bad enough to really justify. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't matter how bad your childhood is. You're not you only get so much slack on being a shithead and like every. Aspect, it, it's the maliciousness that really kind of drives me nuts about Rimmer and it's the low level yeah. maliciousness that it, which lets you get away with it I like he's a, he's a corporate bully he's middle management that couldn't make it into middle management that said why the fuck is this guy being the one that's responsible for fixing the drive plate that keeps everyone alive before it's that it was the fucking job. chicken soup dispense like it's I don't it's a shitty job and he's ranked number 168 out of 169 <laughs> yes <laughs> But literally his most important job before was fucking like fixing the chicken soup dispenser. I do want to someday for a lazy Halloween costume, just put an H on my forehead. <laughs> Tyler's doing something with his phone. Something like that. Yep. Tyler just something, did a something like my lazy Halloween <laughs> costume. This was year? that two days ago? <laughs> that yeah, was, that was just a few days ago. <laughs> God. Oh my God. Uh, that has definitely happened multiple times now. It is interesting, as much as I just said Rimmer is a piece of shit, again, they do a decent job of making him relatively, I don't know if well-rounded is the right word for him, but, like, he's not completely You can put up with him. Yeah. He's not, it's not like being in a fucking 10-hour car ride with a Manic Pixie Dream Girl. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he's a shit but you can handle him. There's something just, and maybe it's because he's pathetic. There's something kind of pathetic enough about him. And I'm such a, like, you can always just throw gazpacho soup at him. (laughs) Soup. Another one that if you watch the gag reel, he manages to hold it together after saying super just long enough to get that freeze frame. And then just like (laughs) collapses onto fucking, uh, uh, rimmer there. Um, Rimmer has, I don't know if I can say any of them have character development this first season. Rimmer has basically none. I, it doesn't, yeah, I, like, one of the things I, and I was thinking about this, uh, mostly in terms of how they so quickly in that first episode established the conceit of the hologram and explain, here's how it works with that, I don't remember his name. Doesn't matter. Yeah, who. George McIntyre, I've watched the show too much over the years. <laughs> but, you know, like, they. So it like so smoothly in a way where you don't really even notice, say explain, hey, holograms are a thing. 
here's how they work. Here's their rules. And they they just lay it out all smoothly before it matters in a way where you don't even notice. And oh shit, how did that tie into what you Pluto was hiding what you were saying? And that was, that was fun. Um they don't mention the light beat for a bit. No, that won't come up until they needed to get him off the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, oh, right. Inter- character development. Right. Yeah. It just, yeah. I, I felt that this first season, it just, it, and, and this is me saying this without having seen any other season of the show. It, I like what I, one of the things I really liked is it did a very good job of just, here's, here's the situation. Here's who we have in this situation. And, it just, it, it just, it put, it puts everything down and defines it really, really nicely and cleanly. And I, mean, I don't know, it, it felt like a very, a very good introduction to just, here's all of this. Because we're in 2023 and I think of trauma a lot more when I think about stuff than I used to just, you know, it's just <laughs> how we culturally like talk about things a lot more. I mean, this fucking, the theme of Ted Lasso was be nice to people. Everyone has trauma and hang out with underdogs. Like that's that, you know, um, Lister kind of handles his trauma by just being like too chill to really have Mm. much of it. Although we definitely have his moments of ennui of like missing his friends. One of whom is Arthur fucking Weasley from the Harry Potter movies. Right. The guy that they do the coin trick on in the first episode. That's Arthur Weasley. As, as soon as I said the coin trick, like, God. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so. Or Rory's dad from Doctor Who, but I don't know if you watched that. That that scene oh, yeah, where he's thinking back, that was supposed to be a recurring thing. But it's cheaper not to keep using the. I think it was both cheaper and they just, like, didn't want to keep doing that because it's kind of a bummer part. Like, it's a neat concept to be like, oh, he's this happy-go-lucky and, like fucking kind of doesn't care and is kind of just shrugs things off. Cause he is a slacker and is also too cool for school. Um, but then interspersed with, no, he's actually super lonely because technically the only person he's talking to is dead. Yeah. He's talking to a ghost and a cat. And, yeah. And yeah. His and, pet. yeah a, I mean, and really in many ways, a, a simulation of a ghost. I mean, mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, but then they just decided to drop it. Like, we're not going to keep doing all these flashbacks and having to write in these flashbacks and making it pertain to what they're doing and bringing all these people back when we could just not hate them. It's and a make great it a comedy. fucking episode, <laughs> but uh, like and a great fucking scene. But I respect that they didn't lean too heavily into it uh, and probably makes it stronger. But to dive back to my original point, as much as like we do see Lister handle some of his stuff, but his go along to get along attitude is how he handles his trauma. And like, Oh, I guess I don't, I mean, Lister barely fucking followed procedure anyways, but just completely giving in of not having to deal with that shit. The way (laughs) Rimmer handles the trauma of everything going on is I have to imagine being even more obsessive about the fucking bullshit minutia. He doubles down on it. 6,981 <laughs> radiated haggises. <laughs> that's not the one I was thinking of, though. That's a great one. That's the one I, yeah, it's, I was 
where he had the scudders repainting the hallway oh, the and he couldn't tell ocean which gray one. to military gray. Uh-huh. <laughs> and like part of that is to annoy uh, Lister. And part of that is literally just he can't handle. He has to keep up that like. Brisk military routine, partly because he spent his whole life desperately trying to get farther and he couldn't do it. And part of it is because if he doesn't, he'll fall apart. And interestingly, in a way that I doubt Rimmer would even be consciously aware of, Rimmer takes his responsibility of keeping Lister alive and sane weirdly seriously. He just does it in his own shithead Rimmer way (laughs) of a combination of, I need to annoy Lister to make sure he gets up and does stuff. And... I will turn Lister into what I think a military man should be. And neither one is a good solution. Got to give him a good military cut. Oh, my God. (laughs) But, like, it's, I don't know. It's just fascinating to me that in its own way, Rimmer actually, like, Holly's not wrong. And it's not just because he's who he talked to the most. Because... He could have pulled out Chen or Peterson or any of the like Hateful his actual friends, friends but beyond just the fact that he, you know, doesn't like he talked to Rimmer more. And part of that was vicinity. Rimmer forced him to not just drink himself to death, which he probably would have done pretty quickly with Peterson. They would have just gone completely fucking feral. Pushing back against Rimmer forces Lister to keep into existence. Yeah. Rimmer's the fucking worst, though. Like, there's just no. (laughs) And he's supposed to. Okay. Do we want to? Uh, Yeah. Okay, Cat. I want to play Cat in a D&D campaign so badly. That it hurts. And like make a deal with my DM. Like give me 20 charisma. At early level. I will take a fucking eight in intelligence. Like just. Give me charisma. Danny John Jules does such a good job. Of being a cat. In mind body in motion. And not just like the over the top like. That's mine. That's like mine. and and like I mean I don't even just mean those jokes as much as I fucking love this is mine this is mine no all like, of this it, is mine or like licking his laundry to clean it <laughs> but like the way he moves the way he thinks the way that he shows affection but in such a like still kind of self-centered shithead way is exactly when my cat knows <laughs> I feel sad I brought so you she, an orange <laughs> Is some grapes. So she climbs on top of the back of my neck and meows in my ear until <laughs> I moves. Like, yeah. When Cat first showed up, I would like, I I was I was taken aback at first because I was just kind of like, I I I mean, I legitimately did not know what <laughs> I'm supposed. How do uh, I yeah, handle uh, yeah, this? Yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> the fuck is this? <laughs> You're just here. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, and then just, yeah, the the way that he embodies a cat, if a cat could talk and do 
human grade. If a cat stuff. was a human, but yeah. was still a cat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Catch that string. Catch that. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I need to stop just saying non sequiturs. <laughs> uh, I'm going to eat your little fishy. <laughs> <laughs> and this isn't so much Danny John Jules, but the writing. He makes the deal with Rimmer to put the cigarettes back in exchange for six fish. And then Five, when he, that becomes six. But when he orders the six, he orders the fish. He orders six fish. Like I, I, I made he sure order to count. six fish, but there is already the refuse that he had been ordering some before that. I think he's ordering six fish every time because that's the deal he made. <laughs> Although in later episodes, <laughs> oh. he just goes food. Yeah. Food. But just food. <laughs> fish. <laughs> fish. Enjoy your meal. Fish. Enjoy your meal. I will. <laughs> that I will is the confidence there. It does have a very um I can see the bottom of my food bowl. What the fuck is wrong with you? Why do you want me to starve for pa? <laughs> <laughs> Two suits is death. <laughs> uh or and I had forgotten about this gag. I think it's the final episode where he's just Wandering around the ship with the megaphone going, attention, lady. That's right. I feel very sexy today. Come and get a piece. What are you doing? I'm courting. (laughs) Yep. Yep. That's how I, that's how a horny cat would handle that. Um, Oh, different cat, but cat priest. Did you notice that one of his hands was black? Like it was a black paw. I, I, I had I had noticed, but I hadn't really. Yeah, I hadn't because really it's put, like a cat that's all white, except for like the one black paw, I had, or like the spot or whatever. I like I had noticed, but I didn't even I didn't <laughs> even make that connection. I love that. Um, when I was a kid, cat was my favorite character. And then that, when I watched this is when I got a little older, I found him less interesting because I was like, oh, yeah, he's the like. Overt comedic relief. Whatever, I'm more interested in what like Lister and Rimmer are doing. And you know, I wasn't necessarily wrong because Cat, other than he we find out that he's a weirdly brilliant pilot that can smell uh uh stellar interference. Cat has no character development. Cat is the cat. To the point that they almost removed him from the show. Because they felt like he was, they, uh, they were like, okay, we're going to either remove Holly or the cat because neither character is getting any growth and they chose Holly and it was the right choice. Thank fucking Christ. Although I love Holly. Don't get me wrong. Like they were ready to remove cat. And then they were like, we can't like, if there's any character we really do have to keep, it's probably the cat. But I was more interested this time in the cat, just in the ways of like, Danny John Jules is a dancer. So physically I was never surprised. Like they have him leap out of that vent multiple yeah. times. I think mm. mostly because they realized that he was capable of going into a rolling jump up into a move. <laughs> and they're like, how much can we milk this? But I mean, partly is just the ways that he committed to being a cat and not just, he's a human that came from a cat, but like that was cat a is not a human being talking about how he how he moves i mean i i when i was in high school i did theater Uh and uh one of the 
earliest productions I was in was Beauty and the Beast. I was really hoping you were going to say Cats. Uh, I, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I, I I legitimately fear that would have that would have managed to make me be somehow a completely different person than I am today. <laughs> you might and have I've just been more of who you are. <laughs> Moving on. I'd onwards. be scared of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in like you know in there's like in like what two scenes of Beauty and the Beast. So you know she's out in the woods and all right, cool. Here's wolves to make you know to make the plot move. So we had to have that for our production. You have to have some and, people be the wolves. Mm, and this, and a, like we, like because of, I mean, mostly for the napkins, cause they made them do like actual ballet shit or whatever the fuck. I don't remember at this point. I wasn't one of the napkins, but the same guy, because he was like an actual choreographer and like, and you know, was actually getting paid to do his stuff. Um, he, you know, he showed us how to, those of us who are the wolves, which I was one of them, like, okay, we're going to like, just, you know, like once a week, we're going to just spend some time practicing how you need to move to kind of, to, to capture that sense of how an animal moves. I mean, like when I, I mean, and like when I walk around, I walk a lot of the time on the balls of my feet. And it's basically because of how we had to do it for that one show, for that one, for this one production. And I had to be practicing and it just permanently impacted how I move around. But just, yeah, you animals. I mean, of course animals have their ways of moving and you it, to, to see someone capture the sense of here's how a cat moves around to that degree and so constantly consists consistently. It's just a delight. It's interesting that we're going to kind of still talk about cat, but completely swap away from what you were talking about, <laughs> which is not to understand it. Uh, his suits, the ones that still are like, that looks good. And the ones are like, that is the most eighties fucking thing I have ever seen. The white suit that he wears, particularly when he's, <laughs> actually is legitimately just a pretty nice mm-hmm. suit but like the lime green one that i think of him wearing all the time that's so 80s that it's almost back into fashion yeah i, I always think of him in like the burgundy the, mm. that yeah that. later on he gets like a big coat with like fur and stuff but also later seasons things go a little darker for them <laughs> he doesn't have the room for the eight thousand suits anymore but that doesn't matter yet. Um, <laughs> is there a bit of he that he does? I think that would that stands out as the funniest for you guys. Cat. Yeah. I mean, S E X. I think I found, found it. it. I was about <laughs> to say that. <laughs> it's either that for me. And uh, then like I'm going to eat you a little, th- I'll eat you a little fishy. That's so fucking good. <laughs> I'm going to eat you a little fishy. Is so good. Uh, for me, it's literally the in the first episode they go, "Hello, cat," and he like, "Whoa, grease!" and pulls out a little uh, like iron, iron and-, and puts it on. And I'm like, <laughs> "God, that's good." Or and I don't know why it made me laugh so hard this time. It's never made me laugh before when he's waiting for Rimmer to be shut down. And he pulls out the little golden pillow and just starts like <laughs> taking a nap on his shoulder. I'm like. That's fucking 
brilliant. I need a little golden pi- or a little silver <laughs> pillow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I don't think I'd be able to pick out like one individual thing from what is only my first watch through of this, mm-hmm. but because I I mean at 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 my mom's house, uh, there's three cats at my mom's house, and one of those cats has been my cat, mm-hmm. or I guess what I, his person, you know how cats are. Um, I mean since he was a since he was a kitten. So in I mean in many ways, in many ways it's just like it kind of all bleeds together because it's like yeah that's a cat, that's a cat, <laughs> that's yeah I've seen my cat do mm-hmm. that. That's a cat. Each one of these characters would be the most infuriating person you ever knew in your life, and because you stick the three of them together, it were four of them together, and then five when we get Crichton later on. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going into that. Okay. I, I imagine we'll spend the least time talking about him because, but, uh, Holly, Holly absolutely deserves credit. Holly's great as like a full on member of the cast and he doesn't get it nearly as much. Yeah. Which I think is like when we were starting the episode, I was almost wondering if you were going to find a way to riff off of how this like, is the mining ship red. Dwar- yeah. Fuck, and then- that's so much better. <laughs> <laughs> we know. <laughs> oh man, I thought I had gold with my fucking lightsaber intro, and no, I ruined it. But I, I, I mean, I was sitting trying to figure out, like, okay, so when it does the part where it switches to the, you know, the just that the throwaway gag at the very end, I was trying to, fi- I was trying to anticipate what you were going to do for what like what you were going to do for that after you I am endlessly appreciative of the level of confidence that you have <laughs> in the planning that I do not do for this show <laughs> Holly he's much more seen in this one they later bring on the robot dementia a lot harder although I guess it does kind of there's a thing in Star Wars where droid we find out that droids get regular memory wipes because they start to go a little weird after mm. a while. And part of the reason the R2-D2 and C-3PO are so eccentric is because they don't get those memory wipes. Oh. So they've just been building personality for mm-hmm. decades. 3PO kind of throws a wrench in that because he gets memory wiped a few times but never loses his same personality but like if you kind of take that in when we see Polly before the time change he only ever says the exact things he's asked to do he doesn't have like I mean and there's not much time for it but when he uh, okay so and so oh it, it's almost like yeah. Dave from 2001 the Space Odyssey mm. it's very matter of fact it's just yep. getting the Here's job done doing this he doesn't have any jokes. The closest there is to jokes is like, uh, so-and-so really wants you to come to the funeral or come to his welcome back party, particularly if you couldn't make the funeral or whatever. It's not mm. a joke he's making. It's just the show poking the absurdity yeah. of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then it does not take long for, the for his own personality really to start to develop. And I didn't notice that when I was a kid, I thought like, Oh yeah, he's, he's just got his own personality. Even though he's openly like, 
I've been on my own for three million years. I'm just used to saying whatever I think of now. <laughs> but literally the Gordon Bennett, I should have left him in there in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, I have no idea who Gordon Bennett is. I don't know if that's a person. Like if that's a British. It's a thing thing or like I was so confused by that when I was a kid. Side note, the fact that Lister's like, oh, my God, I've been eating half the crew. Dude, you are in a spaceship that is powered by nuclear physics. Why the fuck have you been eating? Like putting your finger in white ash and licking it across the ship. You've done that to like 12 different things. <laughs> Here, Here's the official like. Here's from the Wikipedia. Gordon Bennett is an English language idiomatic phrase used to express surprise, contempt, outrage, disgust, or frustration. Frustration in this case. The expression is either thought to derive from the controversial reputation of James Gordon Bennett Jr., uh, who lived 1841 through 1918, son of the Scottish-born James Gordon Bennett Sr., founder and publisher of the New York Herald, or as a minced oath, perhaps as a euphemistic substitution for Gore Blimey. Uh, Bennett Jr. was an accomplished polo player, tennis player, and yachtsman. You know, that actually kind of works with Cockney rhyming slang, which would have been right around that time, too. British slang is fucking insane, and slang can get as detailed as, like, this three-block radius of London has slang that nowhere else in the world uses, but they all know it. Uh, there is an Australian general uh, from World War II named Gordon Bennett. However, there is evidence of it being used as an idiom before him. So it seems like there is no link there. Yeah, no. Fucking Cockney rhyming slang is amazing. It, it None of it makes sense. Unless you know Cockney rhyming slang. Um, So I could see, and that's not exactly what this is, but I can see how that would happen. The way, I, I love the idea of the ways that he keeps himself entertained is just fucking with people. But like such weirdly pedestrian fucking with people when he's when he knows it's the garbage pod. That was not even the one I was going to go with. That's the like weirdly brilliant one. Well, it's a laugh in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the one I was thinking of is the Norweb Federation. Oh, God. Yeah. He comes up with this entire mini little storyline that. Humans have chased down Lister because he's managed to destroy the economy thanks to three million years of interest. And it's like, like, you and Norweb have all the money. Why Norweb? Left the light on. <laughs> so you owe so much money, too. Uh, and then just April Fools. Immediately. <laughs> it's not even April. Yeah, but I couldn't wait six months, months with a banger like that now, could I? You're like, oh, Holly. Oh, buddy. What was he doing to those poor scutters is what I want to know. <laughs> like, how was he fucking with them? Because, I mean, what else does he have to do? I will say, though, and it's Read one of all the books, including Jane Austen, yet again. One of the most brilliant gags across this entire first season is the Agatha Christie oh, yep. deleting all of the Agatha Christie novels. And then immediately not knowing who Agatha Christie is. <laughs> so he doesn't know he needs to read these books again. And then he starts reading them and is just like incapable for the rest of the episode. <laughs> Especially you ask me, I think they all did. Because I fucking love Hercule Poirot. Like, honestly, 
erasing all of Hercule Poirot so I could reread Hercule Poirot for the first time is not an unattractive idea to me. <laughs> is there anything we haven't brought up yet that you would like to make sure we talk about, Will? Not, not that comes to mind unprompted. I mean, I don't you know, like, yeah, like, as I was saying earlier, it feels like a very solid, here's these people, here's the situation they're in, we're not going to talk about the situation they're in again. Here, what, here, here's what happened on Tuesday. Here's what happened on Wednesday. Here's what happened on Thursday. Repeat. They, I can't remember how much it's ever, ever mentioned, but like later on in the series, isn't there some time jumps between some of the episodes it's that they little... don't really go into, but they're like, yeah, he went back into stasis for like a thousand years. And I don't remember like... that specifically, but it's always a little unclear on how time works and the quest to go home becomes really kind of pe not pedestrian but like like they're never I, straying from it but like it doesn't well, become as important because gonna, they're running into other shit well i was gonna say i mean even in this even with just this six only these six episodes for me to work with like i kind of felt like even what was it three, three million three, years three, yeah they're three like they're three million years away like them being three million, like three million years to get to the point that they're at and then turn around. So it, t it took three million years to get there. It's going to take three million years to get back. Like, oh, it's going to take 4,000 years to turn around. I probably, yeah, I probably they mentioned that, that because they're going so fast. And part of it is like, you do get the impression, even if they're not going at light speed, they are going insanely fast, even though they look like they're just fucking crawling along. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, well, I mean, yeah, well, I mean, that's one of the fun things about space is here on Earth. We've got plenty of things that are immediately adjacent. To yeah, us no, so it, that it, we can, I, I know. I'm just, there is a season seven episode where they end up with I mean, they end up with a thing a couple of times that has lets them transport themselves wherever they want through time and space. And they accidentally fuck up Lee Harvey Oswald's attempt to murder Kennedy <laughs> and they have to fix it. So Kennedy dies. My God. <laughs> it was a controversial episode and it's one yeah. of the most brilliant half hours of television I've ever seen in its own. Really bizarre, <laughs> insane way. I mean, really, really when it, I mean, that shit insane. They Stuff managed to come up with the weirdest Kennedy assassination <laughs> conspiracy theories ever. Uh, and they're able to make more fun of it because, you know, they're British. Like, it, it doesn't have the same scar on the psyche that it does on Americans. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. But I remember watching that and being like, the whole reason they did that was because Lister wanted to get a curry, a chicken curry. And they were out of them um, on the ship. But then he just goes back to the ship. And I was like. Lister, you could just go home. <laughs> you could just. Well, one of the I mean, I was going to say, because. I mean, you're, you're kind of saying, like they kind of give up on this goal. Honestly, I don't think it, it, to me, I kind of felt. Like, sure, we get that little bit like, OK, yeah, I'm just going to hop back in to say in many ways kind of felt to me like the goal was 
given up on almost immediate almost immediately by I mean, episode three they've largely abandoned yeah, the and, goal and, but not not just in terms of just you know hey the show has like the macro level view of you know the show has to do its thing but to me in many ways it kind of felt like the characters did too like like hey like it's almost like well we have to get back there well why well what the fuck else am i slime's coming to do? home <laughs> I, I think they understand that they have to have some kind of overarching goal for when the darkness sets in, they can have something to like focus on, well, but it's I, more to have that like low key cushion than it is to actually see. Well, and it's also like, it, what else is your goal going to be? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, like you're like, 3 million miles from, you don't know anything. You're 3 million years in the future. Yeah. No, like, Every, the no, only... no matter what, no matter what, everything and everyone you've known, loved, given a damn about is all gone. Any civilization that you've ever even imagined died mm-hmm. yeah. millions of years ago. Yeah, like, yeah and now the earth is taken over by eight foot tall roaches. Or the dolphins and they have the human being atariums. Or like it doesn't... But, uh, the yeah, the roaches like, was the second novel. Ah, he makes okay. it back to Earth. The novels get fucking weird, and they <laughs> will. And okay, so the uh, the the two creators had a creative split, oh. and one kept on the show, and they like wrote their own novels of like what they think should happen, and they diverge pretty heavily. Oh, yeah, okay. so they write like they wrote the first two novels together. The novels are already considered to be an alternate dimension to the show but it's close enough that anything that isn't like contradicted by the show is assumed to be true. Okay. Okay. And then they and, actually, and, and so like there's two novels where they're working together and then the, there's kind of two different third novels. Cause there's one where <laughs> one writer takes it one direction and there's one where the other writer took it the other direction. Okay. And they're pretty different directions from my understanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, one stayed, they actually couldn't make stuff for years because they were suing each other over like, rights and actually just last year they came to a agreement with each other where so they could start making stuff again and they both have the rights to make red dwarf stuff be it tv or radio plays or books or whatever and they both have permission to use the cast in whatever way they want if the cast will agree to show up with it so they I could kind of wish more, more things would almost would like I get why stuff doesn't play out that way, but there I could theoretically be two new red dwarf seasons that are completely unconnected to each other. Past one, the new seasons that we've been getting anyway. Yes, uh, one by Doug Grant and the other by I don't remember what the other guy's name is, but Rob Grant and Doug Naylor. Uh, Rob Grant and Doug Naylor. Yep. Uh, and then just because fucking confluence is wild, one of them today, the day we are recording this, has announced a prequel mm-hmm. called Red Dwarf Titan. Huh. No one knows what it is. We don't know if it's a new book, if it's a radio play, if it's a fucking TV show. I don't even know why we care on some level because... As much as I love the world of Red Dwarf and it has its own interesting internal consistency, 
I don't super give a shit about it outside of what's happening with these people. But I, also, like, I trust him. So, like, sure, like the prequel of what happened on Titan is just going to be when Rimmer got laid on Titan, right? Yvonne Magruda? Yeah. Which is actually really disturbing if you think about it at all. She had a concussion and, like, thought he was somebody <laughs> else. And he used it to sleep with her. Like, that's not okay. Yeah. Like, and how Lister got Frankenstein? Like, is that. I don't know. Or is it just like his way to do more stories in the universe of Red Dwarf that's not the boys from the dwarf? (laughs) They come up with their own little. uh, Yeah, that's it. They do a little, like, handshaky thing. Boys from the dwarf. (laughs) <laughs> Which I'm going to start doing in Belagarth. I, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I guess I did actually, now that I'm th- like, kind of going back, because um, that scene where he's remembering back to when everyone, you know, that whole couple was it? It was a disco party, I think. Yeah. Um, Whatever the fucking yeah. 80s thought the future dance was going to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the things that stuck out to me, and I don't know, maybe this is going to change with later seasons, was how expansive the set felt i mean it like i like i don't know it felt like i know i know we're like you know if i really got down to it like okay yeah no it's kind of just you know these six same spots are what actually is covered but it felt like it it felt like there was a lot of a a lot of space of, of like actual physical spaces that they had actual physical sets for, and I really liked that. Because they didn't do many, because they mostly just used the same three sets for so much of the show, I think they had a lot more budget than they would normally have. Okay, yeah, because I was thinking, like, like a thing I was, like, as I was watching this, I was thinking about a lot, was like, like, um, Star Trek The Next Generation. mm -hmm. I mean, what, you've got the bridge, you've got, a sleeping quarters that, that you I tweak around that, for whatever you need it yeah, to be. You've got the turbo lift. You've the got engine room. Ra- the engine room. You've got random hallway number three. And you have the pit, which is the same sound set they used for every alien planet that was <laughs> unpleasant. Yeah. But I mean, like, okay, in this one, they have, I mean, 95% of this show takes place in the draw or in the main ships. Yeah. The, not, I mean, the, yeah, the, the bridge, mm-hmm. that's the word I was looking for, or their cabin. Mm-hmm. And like, you're right. It was an expansive set. It's probably because they didn't have to spend a whole bunch of money. They probably just rented out a small disco. Like, I have to imagine the theater is actually just a little theater. Or just a little shit. I mean, like, it's probably just the corner of a soundstage. Yeah. Side note, thinking of the theater. I didn't know who Orson Welles was when I was seven and started oh, watching the show mm-hmm. and legitimately did not know the cartoon was not Orson Welles for a couple <laughs> of years. <laughs> nice. Nice. But yeah, they do a pretty good job of getting the size of the ship. And part of it is where they're like going over that, like, Oh, the, the, yeah, no, the, the way the, again, thinking about Star Trek, just the ways that they managed to, cause I, I mean, I know that, that, that the, physical model for this ship would would have been still of a pretty decent size because the scale the size of model that you work with for that specific type of filming is i mean it's 
big, and especially yeah, like, but it's like ten feet versus like the size of a city. Yeah, but and like I just I I really liked how they used the camera work for all of the interstitial, like just here's the shit going to really really sell. Yeah, this thing is massive, and it like a thing I found myself doing during those inter during those just those interstitials is trying to figure out when we're seeing the scenes on the ship, what parts of what we are seeing is like where this is actually happening and how much of that is like, well, yeah, like, cause it, well, it's a mining ship, right? Mm -hmm. So, okay. Presumably there's, I guess, I guess I don't know if it's established, if they expand on that at any point or if they like, it, you know, is they never like, do much mining, but like, well, they, it, well like, see, yeah, because I mean, why would they at this point? But like, was this like, okay, cool, this here's an asteroid, we're just gonna crack this and like pull it inside? Is it more of a okay, I can't we're hovering think of that over ever really moon? being answered, but no, no, they do send miners down at one point, so yeah, they, okay, I don't cause, know, but uh, yeah, because I mean, when you get a sci fi ship, there's so many different directions you can take how much of this size is actually like how much of the size is actually needed. How much of this just comes down to, well, yeah, you're, I mean, cause I mean, yeah, the engine is like the engine and the Ram scoop on the front. Like, yeah, those are both, at least I presume it's a Ram scoop. It's so a Ram scoop. It yeah. Okay, cool. Um, you know, like, yeah, you need those to be massive cause of, I, I mean, that's the technology that they chose to make be how this ship does its thing. Those, that tech inherently requires, it be scale fun. yeah but then you know like how much of i mean is it like okay the engine compartment is like just that tube in between is this a thing where like yeah half the ship is the engine and like there's there's a specific shot and i wish like if there's a point where we're watching it in the same room i pro if i remember to i'm going to try to point it out because i i kind of have a and i to me at least to me it feels like the idea of yeah, you when you get this one specific this is specific angle, their that all of their stuff is basically happening here, here, and here. And yeah, that's if you it. have a ship the, the size of a city, but there's only three people on board, how much space are you really going to take up? Yeah, well, but, but I mean, like, there are three thousand floors on the ship. Dear God. Well, and there's different versions of the ship because when they redo it later on, they change the shape of the ship and it goes from kind of squat to much longer. And I oh. think you have the redone version on the DVD. And I think we were watching the original, which the only difference is about a minute and a half of timing and mm -hmm. redoing some of those shots. Mm, I, mm, uh, I The ship yeah. looks way bigger in the redone version. Okay. Cause um, yeah, I hadn't, which I mean, which makes sense when you have the chance to, redo or remaster this stuff. Yeah. You're going to try and to make you all They always take. And they did a really good job of not overdoing the remaster. They like the scutters get some noises when they're doing stuff. They didn't originally have that like noise mm -hmm. or like when you walk through Rimmer, he had, they, there's a sound effect in the original version. That sound effect isn't there. Yeah. Huh, okay. It is really minuscule mm -hmm. stuff to clean it up. Holly is way more pixelated. They cleaned him up and you're getting a lot more of the actual actor in the like mm, okay. cleaned up versions. Okay. I like those better, but streaming is the original and oh no, it's fucking the difference is literally like minuscule. It's always fun to appreciate. I don't know. It's one of the things I always like, like what I love seeing 
comparisons of Star Trek, the original series, and then literally any remaster that's in afterwards. Cause just like, I hate the Star Trek remasters they did in the early 2000s with a bunch of CGI. <laughs> you go deck plan for series one and two. Oh dear Lord. Uh, and then later on, they will change stuff of as the officers quarters get uh, safe to, to enter into as they get irradiated or on the rate. I don't remember what the word is. They move oh, into right. officer quarters, but they still move into quarters together. Yeah. Because <laughs> they can't stop themselves. Yeah. Well, uh, and I mean, yeah, yeah I suppose. If, yeah, I suppose not all the ship would be. And later on, they will get admittedly one of my favorite spaceships ever. The Starbug, yeah, which Starbug. is something a little closer in size to like the Millennium Falcon or the Serenity. Yeah. See that they can use to go places because yeah. in season one, they never leave the ship. They start to later, even though most of the series will always take place in three rooms. So the size being given here is that the ship is six miles long by five miles tall and four miles wide. For reference, the Enterprise D is about 600 meters long. And a Imperial Star Destroyer is about 1600 meters long. (laughs) what's the conversion for meters to miles so it's going to be 10 kilometers long 8 kilometers tall and 6 kilometers wide hold on to those numbers this ship is about a thousand times bigger than the Enterprise yeah I mean like the thing the thing I'm going to look up right now is the dimensions for Warhammer 40k ships because of course their stuff is big out the big out the wazoo all the goddamn time but yeah this is about the size of New York City if I understand yeah, at least like Manhattan. Uh, yeah, three thousand levels, about a hundred and twenty cubic miles. Let's see. Do you still have that? Uh, yeah, that meters in um in meters. Yeah, ten kilometers tall or ten kilometers long, eight kilometers tall, six kilometers wide. And okay. a kilometer is a thousand meters. Yeah. Okay, because yeah, um, in. The general consensus is that in 40k, their cruisers are like five to six kilometers long, and then the biggest battleships are six to eight. So, so it's bigger than so, 40k. This, which that's very impressive because nothing ever gets bigger than 40k, and then that's this the whole is point just, of 40k. I, yeah, and then just oh uh, yeah, this is just this is, this is a mining ship. So that's. That kind of it's terrifying in many ways. Well, so here this gives uh, in some of the exterior shots of the ship, you can see where it has suffered an asteroid impact and the asteroid is still stuck into the ship. Mm-hmm. That the kind of like rocky. Parts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, yeah, if you're if you have a ship that size asteroid loot. <laughs> Rock loses to scissors. <laughs> Although it is argued that that might be part of its design on how it mines things, because when it gets recreated by nanobots, they include it. Season eight, they bring back the entire crew through nanobots, and I, all I of actually, the main cast I, is in prison because they killed the crew. You know, I, I read about that. I thought <laughs> it's fucking. It's, kind of it's actually the weakest season by a long way, but it's still it's pretty fine. funny. Like. It's just by far the week. Yeah. Uh, you, you, it, 
Those, those later seasons just feel like normal sitcoms. Yeah. Season seven is fucking brilliant. Mm -hmm. But by that point they were doing a like weird sci-fi drama comedy. And then they turned it back into straight up. Just like it's a sitcom and it was really jarring, but it was fine. Uh, I guess for where I'm going to kind of wrap it up. So red dwarf is infamous for being kind of a parody of star Trek, even though it's not like the plot has nothing to do with fucking star Trek, but it's often compared to like kind of a parody of star Trek because it's well, and I think grant and Naylor have both said that it's influenced by star Trek. Yeah. Because it's kind of a think piece on the human condition taking place on a starship where most things are just talked out. That's yeah. next gen even though it came out right around the same time to the point that there's a story of Patrick Stewart was watching TV and red dwarf came on and he's like, these motherfuckers. <laughs> and Actually, according to I, him, I want to say, I think I know what you're talking about. Cause didn't he, I want to say he, he commented that they are going to get sued to hell on back. According to like him, that. he was picking up his phone to call his lawyer to be like, <laughs> can we do anything about this? And then they did a joke that made him laugh. And I think it was the, it's a joke in a later season where Rimmer goes, go to red alert. And Craig goes, sir, are you sure? That does mean we have to change the bulb. <laughs> like It's such a stupid little thing, but it made him laugh. And he put the phone back down. And he became such a big fan that he's in the fucking documentary Red Dwarf A to Z. <laughs> it's in the same way that Call he originally was man. like, I'm not going to watch Galaxy Quest because it's making fun of Star Trek. And then people are like, no, you have to watch this. And he's like, no one laughed harder than me. He's talked about how he wishes they could have put more jokes into next gen, like kind of bring some Red Dwarf into next gen. But all of this is to say, I will never be certain how much Star Trek Voyager ripped off Red Dwarf. Because Star Trek Voyager is the Starfleet ship on the other side of the galaxy trying to get home with a character that is a hologram that can't leave the medical bay originally until he's given a little light tiny. Bee? It's I mean, they call it the hollow emitter, but yeah, but it's a light bee functionally <laughs> to get to go do stuff. I'm not saying it is. They're probably just tapping into very similar mm -hmm. thematic stuff, but I don't think the doctor from Voyager exists without Rimmer. Red Dwarf is oddly one of the most important science fictions of the 20th century. I mean, I don't think Futurama exists without Red Dwarf. It absolutely does. I'm pretty mm. sure Matt Gronick has said that before. <laughs> Dangerous take to say in America, Red Dwarf is better than Futurama. And don't get me wrong. Futurama is brilliant. I love Futurama. I like Red Dwarf better. At a certain point, it's more like apples and oranges. Yeah, me, you're not wrong. Like, <laughs> you know, I was going to say, like, I mean, yeah, they they both have their they both have their own unique flavor. God, Futurama's so fucking good. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I, I, I'm both endlessly upset and so, so happy that just like that, that, that Futurama just keeps refusing to die. Yeah, yeah. like Red Dwarf. <laughs> Red Dwarf ended in season eight, which was like 12 years into making the show. And then they came back 10 to 15 years after that. <laughs> Dude, I haven't watched uh, 11 or 12, but season 10 is fucking great. Season 10 is great. Season 11 is great. I didn't watch 12 or Promised the, Land. the Promised Land. 
what I did, I watched some trailers of Promised Land, and it's fucking amazing. Yeah, like same. just some scenes. It's about the cat people. They find the cat people. That's all I know for sure. Huh. Huh. Gotta go to Fushal. Promised Land. But that's for a different day. I promise you we will do more Red Dwarf episodes and probably without a three-year gap in between two. <laughs> yeah. There's a good chance I'm going to go home and pop on season two because I'll need like half an hour before I'm ready to go to bed after driving. Mm-hmm. But that's not next week. No, next week. Oh, uh, next week's gonna be fun. You've been pushing me to watch I've been, this show. I've been pushing. Been we have fighting. the greatest excuse ever now, too. This, this is like Ted Lasso, where you spent half the episode going, "I told you you'd like," it. and I was like, "No, at no point did I disagree with you or resist." It's just finding the time in honor of fuck you Thanksgiving. Reservation Dog Season One, shit asses. <laughs> well, will. Thank you for joining us as always. You're always welcome. It's, it's, always, it's always a pleasure. Uh, Are you going to continue watching this? Uh, when, Anytime soon? When when I'm able to. If I'm, I give you my BritBox subscription, will you? <laughs> we'll prob- figure it out. Yeah. We'll figure yeah, it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's going to, it's just going to be. I get it. Time. Well, honestly, it's. And relative dimensions. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> stuff. I mean, really, honestly, it, part of what kept me from getting to this as long uh, getting to finally watching this as long as it is as long as it was it's just i for me watching watching shows watching movies is a it's kind of a social thing mm. because if i don't if i don't have another person so i can kind of like okay we're watching this together and you know riffing or whatever yeah so you're saying i, I could get you to come to my house more often if i put on red dwarf yeah, we're, fucking uh, done uh, in the meantime <laughs> we're your generals of nerdery i'm zach i'm tyler Dismissed. Hi, everybody. General Tyler here. If you like the show, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us right now, or preferably over at Apple Podcasts, we would super appreciate it, as the whole world is around on algorithms, and we want to be all up in them, getting our voice out to more places. Uh, Also, I mean, tell your friends. We always appreciate that. Uh, If you want to get in contact with us, ask us questions, give us comments, Email us, generalnerderypod at gmail.com. You can also contact us through our website, www.generalnerdcast.com. While you're there, check out all of our back catalog, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network. Uh, Go check out all of our sister shows. We're involved with most of them, so if you already like listening to us talk, it might be in your best interest. And if you want to check out everything from the network, head over to earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. We'd super appreciate it. Love you all. Have a good one.